Hey everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is Freaky Friday, but it'll be more like a football Friday uh, with Bill Landis and me, Austin Ward. Probably not a lot of shenanigans because we're going to dive back into uh, Bill's position breakdowns, looking at the current makeup of the Ohio State roster and perhaps a little bit of the future. Berm is out on another assignment after a busy week covering Ohio State recruiting camps, or busy month of that, and then a big commitment earlier in the week that Bill uh, and Berm broke down with Tavian St. Clair. Uh, so that leads us to another position group with Bill and a serious, deadly business-like episode of the podcast daily to get you ready for the weekend. That's yeah, right. All yeah, the way. All, all business. No tomfoolery. No uh, no fun mailbag questions. We're talking corners, and it's serious business. All right. Uh, best in America. Can they get it back? Uh maybe yeah like i i don't dismiss the idea um they're like i'm i'm always a little hesitant to like fully embrace positive spring vibes because they're almost always positive and that's not to say that they they turn out being wrong but but sometimes they are um people get out a little over their skis i think with with talking about certain position groups in the spring which is fine like that's what the spring's about but I am I am like more cautiously optimistic I think about about the corners that's probably how I would I would couch it um like Denzel Burke's spring leaves me feeling pretty good about like a trickle down effect in that room because I think he is at the top of it I think the rest of the room in in a certain way kind of feeds off off of whatever level he sets for them and um, that was probably the case even la- maybe last year. He he might not have been aware of that, but but I think the way that he played as a freshman kind of set him up for that as a sophomore, and for a couple different reasons that never really kind of took for him in terms of playing at a level that that set the standard for the rest of the room. Um, but it does seem like now that he gets that um, and and is embracing that idea, and if that is the case, and then that makes Jordan Hancock all the more better. You infuse some Davis and Igbenosin in there. You have these young guys coming in that I think can add some energy to the room. Um, I think Tim Walton probably feels um, a little bit of an onus to to prove it a little bit. Like, not, I mean, he's been coaching for a long time, but there's some questions about that room and how they performed last year. I think he would like to address some of those with their play on the field. So, there's a, a different, a few different ingredients there that I think do add up to what can be a productive season for them. Um, but I don't want to just like automatically say like, yep, they're coming back because that's a high bar. Like this room has been really, really good in, in you know, not in the not too distant past. So um, I am, I'm optimistic they can get there. I, I don't like, how do you feel about that? Do you think that they're poised to, to get that moniker back or, or maybe you don't think they've ever lost it, but, but how do you feel about them? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they, they were not the best in America last year, not the year before either. And a lot of the coaching transition, I think plays a, a pretty big part of that. Nobody needs to hear us relitigate uh, and explain the injury starting in August with the whole group being wiped out. Um, you know, I, I think I felt last summer that the pieces were there for a big jump forward because I thought a healthy Cam Brown was going to be uh, an early round NFL draft pick. I thought that Denzel Burke was going to carry over the success from uh, a real breakout freshman year into a, a sophomore surge. And I thought that the third guy, we were hearing so much conversation about the offseason work and the high end potential for Jordan Hancock. You know, if you were, if we were sitting here in late June last year, I would have said the same thing that this is a group mm-hmm. that can get it, get it back. And there's a lot of excitement for Tim Walton to return. And, and that was short circuited pretty quickly. Uh, Denzel Burke's shoulder injury came in the first scrimmage. Uh, you know, Cam Brown was 
We're working through a pitch count. He had stuff, you know, really from head to toe throughout the season. And then Jordan Hancock had the hamstring injury that was uh, as severe or close to as severe as the one that basically knocked out Jackson Smith and Jigba's entire season. He never really got the opportunity to show what he can do. So when you say, you know, how do you feel about it? I feel about the same as a year ago. Uh, and that also reminds me that there's still a long way to go because they've got to, you know, knock on wood and they've got to get through August healthy and in one piece. If this, if they get some breaks and some good health, I think that everything is there for Ohio state to get where they want to go. I think that's, that is true. I, I definitely agree with that. And I also, I also feel better about their ability to withstand some injuries if they do encounter them. I think everyone hopes that they don't because if they don't and everyone plays to their ability, you're, you're talking about what, what I think could be a really good productive room, but say they do have uh, anyone, anyone go down or, or have to miss some time or even just miss a little bit of practice. Like you have a, a, a rising sophomore in Jair Brown, who's made a start played a decent amount. Um, a sophomore, Ryan Turner, who played a little bit last year, has another year in the defense. I, I like the freshman a whole lot, Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt. Um, mm-hmm. And I think cornerback is probably one of the easier positions to to play as a true freshman and and not feel like your head is spinning. It's not easy, but I think it is easy compared to some of the other positions that, that you would have to do it at. Um, and then Davis and Igbenosum, I mentioned before, is, is a – proven productive starter in the sec and now he's he's in your room so um like last year last year they felt like they they lost like one guy really or or, or maybe two guys and then like they just didn't have much to make up for it um now i feel like they're much better positioned to to withstand that if it does happen um it would put a lot of pressure on some inexperienced players i i guess and i don't like i don't want to talk too much about the hypothetical cuz i don't want to put that out into the ether that a guy might get hurt but but i do think that by virtue of some good recruiting from tim walton with the, the freshman that they brought in and in, in the transfer portal bringing in davis nigbenosen and then the fact that they were able to get at least a little bit of time for jair brown and ryan turner last year that um it's not only a room that you feel good about at the top but it's a group that i think you can feel decently good about their depth too yeah, and that's not – it goes hand-in-hand hand with what we talked about with the injuries. They were – Tim Walton inherited a group with six scholarship players. There had been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, attrition there with Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts. There was some, you know, this offseason at the end of it as well. But Ohio State is still in a much better position, I think, to absorb that, even without necessarily being, like, 12 deep. They're never going to get to that point. That's not you, – you can't devote that many resources – uh, when there's a scholarship cap to, you know, eight, nine, ten elite cornerbacks that you can go trust, you're you're pretty much going to have to work with it uh, in that six to seven range if if we're being realistic about it. And I think the good thing for Tim Walton is that he's done that. Now you can sign free free agents off the street in the NFL, so that helps. But uh, it's not like you have an endless supply of guys. You you need to work them. You need to make sure that they're healthy. You can manage the reps the best you can and. Another way to really help that is getting into the rotation, whether that's three, as we've seen with Kerry Combs and Ohio State in the past when they've been at their best, or, or even more. I don't know, but I think that there's a delineation between the top three, and those guys probably need an even number of snaps that's you know, similar to what we've seen back when it was, you know, whether that was Sean Wade or Jeff Okuda or Denzel Ward or whoever, working into groups of three. Uh, if Ohio State can get back to that without any drop-off, that's really where you're going to probably see some strides. 
and I I think they I think they will be there, health permitting. Like Denzel Burke has been a two year starter, and and while I don't I don't think Denzel's ceiling is quite as high as like the the high end first rounders they've had come through, like Jeff Okuda and Denzel Ward. I still like he's a really I think he is a really good college corner. Um, so you have him, you have Davis Nigwinoson who started, and then like I still think. All the things that applied to Jordan Hancock last offseason when everyone was like really high on him, I think I think they still apply now. Um, it's it's still a projection, but it's a projection for a guy who was a top one hundred player in his recruiting class. And um, like I don't I don't think people say the things that that they have said about Jordan Hancock like just for kicks. I think because they've 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 seen it on the practice field. So if you have that trio, I would feel excellent about that trio and then i don't know if it extends beyond that maybe it does maybe jair brown forces that that hand or maybe it's ryan turner um short of them really having to dig into the depth i don't i don't know if i'm on high alert for like jeremy matthews or calvin simpson hunt to really push that envelope and i think like lorenzo styles um who we've not mentioned yet um is not a factor all that much this year, maybe on special teams but i don't think in the cornerback room there's a transition that has to happen there and i think his addition is more about the the next two years, I guess, beyond this one. But um, I think there, there's, a, there's definitely a trio. There's a potential for a, a – what do you call a group of four? A quartet, right? A, there's an <laughs> yeah. opportunity for a quartet, I suppose. Maybe they'll wear like little barbershop outfits. That could be fun. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're going to change it from best hello, in America. Hello, <laughs> hello, They're going to be – I wonder – I'm going to pitch it to those guys. What if you weren't BIA and instead you were the barbershop quartet and then they will all punch yeah. me in the face? Um so uh, yeah, I think there's a uh, there's real promise there, um, and he, and it doesn't even feel like promise based on all that much projection. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not assuming Denzel Burke and Davis Nigbenosen are going to be good based off like just vibes. Like they've done it. So and Jordan Hancock, I guess, fits in that into that category. But if he's the one guy in your starting trio or, or, or starting rotation that fits that bill, then I think you're in a pretty good spot. What have you made of the conversation that Nickel needs to experiment or borrow or lend itself perhaps more to the cornerback position? We saw, you know, throughout spring camp, once they got into the working some depth, that tended to come not from the safety position, uh, but, it, but we saw Ryan Turner and Jair Brown both getting work there. Uh, Jihad Carter's injury clearly part of that as it as it stretched the depth there a little bit thinner than they would have wanted but there are many people that have thought that would be a good fit that that's a better way to do it when you're asking about the coverage responsibilities uh i i did ask tim walton about it we've got you know some of those comments at ohiostate.rivals.com and we can talk about them here if we want but i don't get the sense that he loves that because he does that the skill set and the teaching is a little bit different but i don't i don't know where you come down on on that conversation uh, um, I think it's good to like having your back pocket, depending on who you're playing. Like the problem is that the, in the big 10, you just don't encounter a lot of teams that I think threaten you in a way that you would want to have a corner playing in the slot. Now, maybe that changes when USC is in the big 10 and there's another team that throws a ball around the yard that, that you want to contend with. Um, like Purdue was on the schedule this year. They're going to have a different offensive identity, I suppose. But there are some teams that play that way where you maybe you would want more of a corner and you get into the playoff, who knows who you could play. So I, I think I think it's more about having contingencies than it is 
long-term vision for Jim Knowles and like wanting to have more of a corner body type there than a safety body type. I still think he'd rather have the safety body type. If he can find a guy who can play down near the line of scrimmage, cover like a corner, uh, play the deep half or play the deep middle by himself. Like that's, that's obviously the ideal candidate. Um, and I think Lathan Ransom can do some of that stuff if they ever wanted to put him in that position, but it doesn't seem like they want to. And I don't know that Cam Martinez can like, so like Cam is like more in my mind, he's more of a corner than he is a safety. And, and maybe that's where some of it stems from. So, I like the idea of cross-training guys. I think it's always good to develop that kind of depth. Um, I think most of the teams that Ohio State is going to play in a given year uh, lend themselves more to playing a traditional safety in that spot than than they do uh, uh, like a third cornerback on the field. Um, but I think, too, maybe, maybe some of that is also like sub-package stuff. If they want to go to like a true nickel look or a dime look, then maybe you do want to make sure that you can put corners out there to cover guys in the slot and, and have them train there, you know, throughout the spring and up through the summer, then just sort of decide that week, like, Hey, we're going to try this with you now. And then that's when you end up in a situation where a guy crosses himself over and falls down and the other team scored a touchdown. So um, I think it makes sense. And I like, like Jair Brown too, coming out of high school to me, had like a little bit of safety skill to my, like just to my untrained eye. I think he's definitely a corner, but he's a, he's a more physical kind of sturdy corner. So um, maybe you can strike some kind of balance there with a guy like that. So I, I, I don't know. I'm not on alert for it to be like a, the, a, a wholesale change in philosophy at that position, but I don't think it doesn't hurt either. It was harder for me to envision that with Jair Brown, thinking back to the version we saw last fall, who had not seemingly touched a weight with Mickey Murati yet. <laughs> uh, and I, and I say that, you know, sort of in jest because I, I, I talked to Jair a couple times about this in the spring. Like he's, yeah, physically last year, no, not ready. This is not – he went out there and had to play, and in some situations I would say it was before he was physically ready. Something that you mentioned early on is cornerback, some of the responsibilities lend itself to just being out there to go and run around and uh, do things naturally. But when it comes to tackling, when it comes to pressing at the line of scrimmage, I had long conversations with Jair Brand about that. Like He added, I think I, I'd have to go back and double-check, like 20 pounds – going into this year and you could see him carrying that differently and how that could translate. He's, you know, he's not to the Davis and Igbenosin uh, jaw dropping physical specimen yet, but he may well be on the way to that. And maybe then you could see him as that in that nickel spot. But in my mind, I was still thinking about the version we saw from last fall. I was like, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would not want to put a guy who was what, like 170 pounds <laughs> at the time, uh, in, in a position where even if even if a team is playing with four wide receivers and you're covering one of those guys in the slot, they can still hand the ball off, and then you got to go down there in the line of scrimmage and, and get your nose dirty a little bit. So, yeah, he's. I don't know. I I don't know if he put that weight on because he was thinking along the same lines, or if it's just like the natural physical development of a kid going into his second year in college. But he is, from a physical standpoint, much much better off now than he would have been a year ago playing nickel. If if that is what they ask him to do, and I I think we'll I think we'll see it a little bit. Maybe maybe it's more of a late in game blowout situation just to get his feet wet because I I would assume that if they if there was a matchup that made them feel like they needed more of a corner type there, then I think that probably falls to Cam Martinez first before it goes to anyone in the cornerback room. But um, Cam Martinez also is not going to be here forever, so you need to have guys ready behind him. And there's no there's no other safety like like Cam in the room either, so um, you need to develop some depth of that position either way. Who's going to lead this uh, Buckeye Barbershop Quartet in interceptions, Bill? Mm. 
That's a great question. And where are the interceptions? Where are they? Yeah, that I forgot that they didn't have any interceptions last year. But as I was writing this, I was like, oh, that's not great. Um, and it's not even uh, the lack like the lack of interceptions is one thing. There was, wasn't a whole lot of like ball production, like passes tipped or passes defended, however they label it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would probably go with Denzel Burke. Um, I don't know. Like Davis Nigmanosin is a pretty long rangy guy, obviously, but that didn't translate to a bunch of takeaways at, at Ole Miss either. And um, we've seen Denzel make a lot of plays on the ball, but, but they don't end up in interceptions for whatever reason. Like maybe that's the next step in his progression. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would probably say Denzel. Like that's like I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the uh, most established guy in the room as the guy who's gonna lead them in a statistical category, which I realize is boring. But um, part of that is is a nod too to I think the improvements that I that I do believe that Denzel has made and, and the seriousness with which he is carrying himself right now. And, and I think he sees it as a money year, and the uh, the best way to make yourself some money is to take the ball away. Uh, and you. Bill, when you look to the future then in this breakdown, you referenced the two signees that Tim Walton brought in. Uh, it's There's a lot of attention. Berm, I think, has been asked about the cornerback spot in pretty much every episode of Talking Stuff. So we know who the main targets out there for Ohio State. Tim Walton's able to keep getting his you know feet rolling, feet wet. I don't know, back wet. I'm not, I'm not sure that I nailed any of that. He'd been out of the college game for a long time get acclimated to the recruiting game again and find some more success where it seems like he did in his first full cycle there. Um, you know, what's the future here at cornerback look like? I don't, I won't pretend to know like the inner machinations of what's going on with Bryce West and, and Aaron Scott. Um, sure. I just sort of follow Berm's Berm's coverage of that. I will say there, there is a lot of, I sense a lot of concern about those two. And the, the possibility that they, that they might not go to Ohio State and potentially go to Michigan, or in Aaron Scott's case, maybe Oregon. Um, when I asked Berm about it, he has a sense of calm about himself that 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 kind of brings me back a little bit, and and maybe would be a good thing for other folks to to listen to him talking about it too. And and it's not to say he's not like pounding the table saying these guys are definitely going to Ohio State, but he still feels pretty good about it. So I still feel pretty good about it. And if they can get that pair, and I don't know. Maybe maybe add one more to that group. I think I think it's great, even if it is just that pair, and and that comes on the heels of uh, Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt. And I think you have to include Davis and Igbenosin in the conversation when you're talking about the the haul that they had in, in the 2023 roster build. Then that's a pretty good two year stretch, I, I think, for for Tim Walton. Um, this is a position group that for a couple of years, like didn't like got one guy, got no guys. Like that's part of the reason why the the numbers were so dire kind of last year and, and heading into this offseason or because of some some real shortcomings recruiting that position and and that's because of coaching turnover so um while i i think we might have talked about this when tim when we talked about the coaching contract stuff like i don't think tim walton had like a dynamite year last year i don't think he had a terrible year um but having him back for another year means a lot for a program that just needs some stability there and and if that stability can lead to them locking down some recruits at a better clip than they have in the past then then this room is well positioned for the future i don't know if it's not aaron scott and bryce west and it doesn't sound like it'll be like Xavier brown the kid from from modern day i don't know where they turn like there are a lot of eggs in in the the baskets of the two kids in ohio um if they don't get them then it's a little more dire i suppose but um berm at least has me uh somewhat confident 
or at least not freaking out about the possibility of them <laughs> losing one or either of those guys. So as long as that happens, and I think they're okay. That, that conversation could be more urgent because there could be. There is a world where Jordan Hancock is healthy and goes yeah. out there and plays like one of the best cornerbacks in the country like they've talked about him, and Denzel Burke has a great year, and they're both gone. I mean, that's um, that sounds crazy because – uh, it, or it may sound crazy to some people because they've not played a ton of football, especially in Jordan Hancock's situation. But, you know, cornerback is a premium position. There's a lot of money at, at, at stake if you have a good year. And then that changes the timeline again for some of these other guys. As you said, they have two freshmen in that are both on campus now. You're going to have Jair Brown and Ryan Turner. Like they're, It's not like the situation would be desperate or dire, but – it would change some of the way that they've built this room if that were to happen. But you also don't look at that as a negative because that means you probably also had one hell of a season in the meantime. Right. I think I would take the trade-off of of Jordan Hancock is so good that he joins Denzel, because I'm assuming Denzel Burke's going to go to the NFL. So if Jordan Hancock is so good that he joins Denzel in that journey to the pros, then that you're right. That means you had a really good group. And at least one of those three that produced that really good group is definitely back because Davis Nigbenosin has uh, another year after this before he can go to the NFL. So um, that provides you a little bit of a buffer too. And then we'll see what like Lorenzo styles becomes, right? Like he's a little bit of a wild card, but he's a really good athlete. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you watched him in high school, there were a lot of people who thought that that he had a much higher ceiling at cornerback than he did at receiver. And he was a pretty good receiver. So I think there's promise there as well. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how long that timeline is. Like I don't, I don't want to assume that a guy can just like automatically become a, a, a starting caliber corner after doing it for one year in this transition period. But when you have the athletic profile of, of Lorenzo Styles, I wouldn't count it out either. So um, that is that is a big plot point, I think, over over this year. It's not so much what can Lorenzo do for you this year, but it's can he get ready to play a significant role in 2024? Because as you said, you might need it. We'll see a uh, month and a half until training camp begins. And that's really when uh, the work starts as Ohio state tries to get back to BIA status at cornerback. Uh, Bill's got that breakdown. If you've missed it for more details at ohiostate.rivals.com, you can get a free month on us using code TTE 30. The whole series I think is, is it done now, Bill? It is done. Well, unless, yeah, okay. unless you convince me to do specialist, which I haven't done yet, but, but I don't, I don't think I can get enough out of there. There's not a whole lot of intrigue. So I think it is, it is done. The one, the one thing I do want to do is take all the information that I had in those and develop like a rankings list um, of which positions are, are the strongest right now and which are, I don't mean, I don't know that I came away from any thinking like, Oh, this is in a really bad shape. I think they're all in decent, decent to very good shape, but I kind of want to rank them all too. So I think I'll, I'll end up doing that next week at some point at ohiostate.rivals.com. All right, perfect. Look for that. I uh, hope you enjoyed a shenanigan-free edition of Freaky Friday where the focus was on football. I know many of you prefer it, and you got your wish today. And for those that want some silliness, hey, we'll all be back together next week, and I bet we'll be doing a mailbag in the last week of June uh, as we get ready for July. So thanks for joining us throughout the week of coverage at both Rivals and on the podcast daily. I uh, hope you have a fantastic weekend. Uh, for Bill, and even though Berm's not here, for him, I'm Austin. We'll see you on Monday, and we'll talk to you later.